Hello. Oh. Hello. We have quite the timing on this episode and our next episode, eh? How, how so? Well, tonight, as we record this, it's uh, Thursday, October 22nd. Mm-hmm. And the final presidential debate is going on right now. Mm-hmm. And then our next episode, do you know when our next episode is supposed to be recording? Oh, I don't think I do. Oh, dear. Oh. Uh-oh. Election okay. night. Oh, boy. We we may want to reschedule that. No, we, we can uh, be reporting, you know, live from the show floor. Mm, can we, though? Mm. <laughs> we'll just be Maybe weeping. Maybe it'd be good for us. I, I, like, uh, I like a distraction. I like a project, you know? We'll see. We'll we'll talk about it after. But I, I did it did get me thinking hmm. that, that uh about this isn't really a topic, but what what's your plan? What's <laughs> your uh have you made a birthing plan for November third? <laughs> yes, I'm ready to confront all of the staff at the hospital about how dissatisfying, yeah. very unfair and nasty mm-hmm. to me. You don't want those interventions. No. We uh well uh, the 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 plan everybody's talking about, uh we voted last Friday. Friday, mm-hmm. we turned in our ballots, uh, and I was very proud of the city. I got to say, um, they had uh, we just you just drive up and drop it off, and you're good to go. Um, as far as plan for the night, no, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I I go back and forth on how closely I follow this stuff, and uh, mostly you know back. <laughs> Um, I was listening to the debate until about two minutes ago, um, but I don't think I don't think I don't think we have a plan. What What do you? I mean, I mean, I don't I don't mean like a plan for the night, but like it's I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who does this type of thing, but like sort of preparing yourself for both possibilities. Like, are you? Is there? Do you feel like? Do you feel like you're ready? Are you in the mindset where you want where you think one thing is happening and that's the only thing you're really prepared for? If the other thing happens, you'll be thrown off. Can you hold two things in your mind? Like, like what right. you know? I, I feel like after last year, the lesson we should all learn is, I guess, to be prepared in some way rather than just kind of like, well, at least I, I at least I last year kind of just glided into it, figuring, ah, oh, you know, this will go the way everyone says it's going to go, and it didn't. Of course, and that yeah. was very shocking. And so now it's like I feel like I need to do some prep. Speaking of good timing, that's a good question. Uh, speaking of good timing, um, uh, slightly redacted, a, a person with whom I'm acquainted um, went through some training today, some unusual training, mm-hmm. giving, given this person's career. And that was a session about basically becoming a facilitator within the organization to deal with people at that organization based on what happens hmm. um hmm. tuesday after next yeah which um and you know basically preparing for i mean it's not like there's only four outcomes but there are four outcomes that we want to start preparing for mm-hmm. um you know and, and I, i'm just don't don't accuse me on this I'm, I'm just saying what how this was presented to me there's one scenario which is biden wins and trump uh concedes you know, straight off, easy. You see early. Florida comes back early. You know, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Michigan. You're talking about like night of, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um. So these are kind of kind of in in a, a reverse order, or yeah, order of preference, I guess. Mm-hmm. So uh, Biden wins. Trump concedes. Okay, sure, that might happen. Um. 
Trump Trump wins, Biden concedes. I have no trouble imagining that that Biden would do that if if he thought that. Um, and another one is that Biden wins, Trump doesn't concede. Um, and a fourth one is we just won't know for a pretty long time. And you can mix those up any way you want. Really, there's several ways that could turn out. Up until uh, I mean, all along, the president has been saying. You know, this is going to be the most crooked, most corrupt election of all time, putting the fear into everybody, saying you won't know who won for days, weeks, or I think he at one point said for years. So where previously he's been driving to the net to say, like, we need to know on election night. Well, he wants to know on election night, but we, we know that, for example, in some places, they'll still be counting votes for two or three days after. That's the plan because of extended, you know, um, mail-in stuff. Uh, so I... It, that's, I think that's an interesting way to think about it. Is that, is that paradigmatically, regardless of how you prepare based on that, how do you feel about those scenarios? I, I, was, I was trying to think of what four you were talking about. I, what was in my mind was clear win in one direction, clear win in the other direction, and then two undetermined choices where it's undetermined choice, but, every, but most people think it go, it's going one way, an undetermined choice where most people think it's going the other way. Like it's the undetermined choices that are, that are actually, I feel like, are are more difficult because I feel like mm -hmm. the longer this goes, given the the history and the the players involved, the longer it goes, the worse it looks for our you know for success, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, because like, it, it, well, just think about think about two thousand. Right? Think about I mean, how long that was dragging. You just yeah, it's, it, our our side doesn't know how to do what it takes to like you know I don't know we just, I mean. Just everything is stacked against it. If it comes down to an undetermined thing, what wins? Uh, dirty tricks and propaganda. And we know which side has the, the edge in that. I know. I know. I, I, I think about that a lot. Well, just as a, an anecdote from this person with whom I'm acquainted, uh, <laughs> this person reportedly said <laughs> to the very helpful meta facilitator, uh, believe me, if 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 uh, if one of those happens, I'm not going to be sitting around with a talking stick. I'm going to be out in the streets rioting. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't know how how much you really can prepare. I think I think I think one reason we're where we are now as a country is it's not one side or the other. It's just a lot of people feeling very powerless and un, under or unheard. Whether or not we agree with that, that that is the state of life in America right now, and so, so you know the the unknown unknowns are are really vexing. I, I I have a a couple of stakes in the in the ground mentally regarding this upcoming thing. I, in my preparation, I'm I feel I feel powerless in one particular regard. Is that first of all, I have to admit to myself that no matter how you know how cynical and pessimistic I try to be. The main pathway in my brain is that Biden's going to win this. I, and I, maybe I'm setting myself up. Maybe I'm just being a, a stupid sucker, right? All I can tell you is that despite the fact that I can absolutely entertain the other possibilities, my brain mm -hmm. keeps the, the needle in my brain keeps moving back to that every single time. And I don't know mm -hmm. if that's just stupidity, wishful thinking, whatever. Again, I don't, you know, I don't, it's, it's obviously possible to go the other way. And I think about it a lot. But that's the way my brain is going. So that's one pessimistic stake in the ground. An optimistic stake in the ground I have is that I think if uh, Biden is officially declared the winner by any official 
remotely official thing anything like i don't know all the details of the election but whether it's the supreme court declares it or just the the regular process of the election declares it or like just you know some someone other than joe biden declares joe biden the victor right in an in some kind of official capacity mm-hmm. that there's nothing trump can do about it and he's going to be gone right like i don't he's not gonna he's not gonna have a military coup he's not gonna hole up in the oval Office. he's just gonna leave because you know that's but also, it's also it's also that uh, I mean we're we're I think we're I I don't like to think of myself as a superstitious person, um, not nearly as rational as you are for sure. But uh, we should come back to this in a second. There are some things that are quite different from 2016. Some obvious, some not. But if nothing else, I think it will be a, a the maybe the truest test yet. There's been a lot of tests, and they've all been failures mostly. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be an interesting test of the people who really do want to go down with this ship. You know, the thing there's one of the things that's so interesting about Florida in particular, um, and, and Florida's super close right now. And one reason Bloomberg uh, finally put some money into it was that he that puts the Trump campaign on the defensive by plowing a ton of money into Florida. Well, why Florida? Well, Florida's close. Florida has a lot of electoral votes, but. An interesting thing about Florida is that they do tend to get a count very early in the night. And especially with the number of uh, mail-in absentee stuff, that that's we could know some things pretty early on um, that would indicate which way the wind is blowing on that. But I I honestly I, I really I wonder, you can already feel a little bit of the air leaving the room. Not a lot, but I mean, yeah, you know, Mitch McConnell wants his judges. Um, he wants all those things. There's all the people who, you know, ride or die for this guy and his cause, whatever it is. But if it's, if it's now I'm probably being extremely naive, but if it, if it, if the states, the battleground states move in the way that they seem they could be moving, it it's going to be, unless you really are ready to go to civil war, I, it's going to, well, I want to know what you think. It seems like, a, like it's going to be a very interesting test of, you know, uh, the, the Murkowski's and the Romneys, uh, et cetera, are, are, you know, are, how, how many people are going to go ride or die to the end with this guy for an election? If it was, if it's a non-stolen election and Biden won it fair and square, like what's going to happen? That's what I'm saying. If it's, if Biden is officially declared the winner, the winner, the rats will flee that sinking ship in a second because nobody actually likes Trump. It's just an expedient tool to achieve their goals and they have no morals or ethics, so they'll do it. But the second that it turns out that, you know, that to be not a meal ticket anymore, they're gone. And that's the same reason Trump will leave because he doesn't like this job. He's not good at it. He's an idiot. He just wants to sit around and watch TV all day. He'll mm-hmm. leave, you know, crying the whole time that it was unfair and he didn't actually lose and yada yada. But like, you know what I mean? He's not going to, yeah. he's not going to hold I, on. He's, I, he has I no, thought that. I mean, he has I, no I, allies a lot of, who will stick with him. Like a lot of people, including I think like David Reese on, on election profit makers, like, like a lot of people, I always figured, I never figured Trump would go all the way in any sense. Neither did he. Well, I mean, last time, I, I thought that as soon as he had to disclose finances, I thought this, I thought that, I thought there were all these things. And it's been pretty widely reported that from the beginning, he was in it for publicity and even he didn't expect to win. That's old news. But um, but the, the, the thing that dogs me and the thing that I'm sorry to say explains a lot is that he's in a great deal of financial and legal jeopardy right now and a lot of the reason that those dogs have not arrived at the door is because well deutsche bank doesn't want to be suing the sitting president for example um 
the at the federal level because of that that memo from I think the seventies. You're not going to prosecute, you know, a sitting president. That all ends on January twentieth, and so he has a lot of reason to want to stay in that pretty the, house. The optimistic scenario. I mean, like if you go past the election and say Biden wins, I I would everyone would love for him to be prosecuted for his crimes and for all his chickens to come home to roost. But uh, a the Democrats have not shown an appetite to ever do that, and B in the absence of of that type of stuff, his financial crap. He's so old now that he can just push his financial crap out to his death. Like, it's those chickens are never going to come home to roost. He's too old, right? If he was 40, yeah, those chickens would come home to roost. But he's not. Mm. So he's going to successfully continue to coast. Al- like, like litigate litigate his way out of it? Not not out of it, because if he lived to 120, he'd go down for all of it. But he's not going to. He's going to be dead before any of that happens. So the only hope we have is just to prosecute him for the many, 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 many crimes he's committed while in office. Um, but that's, you know, I don't, I don't think... I don't think the Democrats or probably even the country have the appetite for that. So I'm not putting up a hope for that. If, if, the, opposite, if the optimistic scenario happens, uh, the Democrats are going to have their hands full for years. Yeah, that's, always, that's always the pattern. They, they, they get handed a, a train wreck and they have spent all their time and energy fixing it. And, you know, all the while having, you know, the, you know, uh, the other the other 30 percent of the country screaming that they're screwing it up. And then we just do it all over again. It's, it's a lot like the coronavirus, actually. It's a, it's a similar yeah. dynamic. Just keeps um, coming back. Yeah, that's the. All right. So, I my third stake in the ground from before is that mm. um, the way this goes bad in my mind, like the way the way come, Trump comes out with this win, is a bunch of factors aligned in his favor. Uh, first is that uh, Democrats are more likely to vote by mail than Republicans for obvious and stupid reasons. Um, second is some states don't start counting those until election day due to statute, which means that. On election night, there is a very real possibility that it looks like a blowout for Trump. And if it looks like a blowout for Trump, like right. I said, the longer that goes on, it doesn't matter actually who had more votes or actually who got more electors. All that matters is that A, on election night, it looked like Trump won by landslide. And B, as time passes, that becomes less and less true. And C, a large part of the country can't accept the fact that, oh, well, if you count all the votes, that's not fair because that makes the it, on election night. It, everyone said Trump won, and are you going to tell me now because you counted all the votes? It looks like he didn't. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the scenario that I think is bad. And on that part of my mind, and sort of preparing myself for another four years of this, because I do have to dedicate some portion of my mind to that task. Are you ready for four more years of this? Like, what is your what is your plan for enduring four more years of this? And and honestly, even that part of my brain is like infected by the by the Biden favorable needle. And it's saying, look, if you get four more years of this, uh, it is going to further assuming we all survive, which, you know, you never know, is going to further galvanize and radicalize the opposition to all of this idiocy, you know, kind of in the same way yeah. that Obama radicalized and galvanized the minority of the country that elected Trump, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not yeah. that I'm saying this is an ideal scenario. I'm just trying no, to look no, for no. any kind of thing to give me hope. What's gonna What's gonna get me through the next four years, right? What is gonna give me the slightest glimmer of hope in this terrible black cloud that would be on our entire country and lives and everything? Is that if we survive for for the people who live through it, which will be fewer of us? Um, I my one remaining hope is that those of us left standing, which will hopefully include me. <laughs> and my family <laughs> will be even angrier 
and even more radicalized and even more determined to never let this happen again and to push things so far in the other direction. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I do. But I mean, how much more radicalized could people be? I mean, uh, I, I guess I think a lot. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you might you might be right. I, I it's just difficult when there's so much grift and so much when you've got people like the attorney general, you've got people like Pompeo, you've got all of these, you know, uh, lapdogs and handmaidens that are happy to do whatever it is to keep the agenda going. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a lot of power regardless yeah, of how no, radicalized. They're do huge amounts of damage, incredible damage, damage that will, will be so hard to undo. All I'm saying is I'm just looking for one shred of positivity. And I don't, I don't no, know I know, why I'm, I know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. know why I'm led to that shred of positivity because I think I, the bad stuff is we just take for granted. Like everything they've done, imagine that, but a hundred times worse, right? Like turning the ratchets, making it impossible to undo these things. You know what I mean? Just like mm -hmm. making everything worse in every possible way. And and still my, my tiny pre-election hopeful mind says, yeah, but... But at least at the end of that, for the tiny survivors sifting through the rubble, boy, they're never going to let someone like Trump get elected again. That's <laughs> what I tell myself. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Hover. You can learn more about Hover right now by visiting hover.com slash diffs. I'm going to open with a shout out. Not only is Hover great, but they're one of Relay's uh, longest running sponsors, and we're very grateful for their support. But, but what you need to know is have a rules, big fan, you know, uh, when you have your big idea, I mean, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name. And so, uh, for many entrepreneurs or just small business owners, hover is that big leap. You go there, you get a domain name and, and now you got a shingle the you can hang anywhere you want. You know, um, I'm a big fan of hover. They are my go-to, um, domain name, uh, registrar. I I've used other ones in the past. Some good, some not hover is great to deal with. There's, I have many domains with them. Let's leave it at that. I have some very, very silly ones, um, but I am a fan. And uh, uh, what you need to know is they have over 300 chimney. Ah, there's 300 domain name extensions. That's crazy. Yeah, for example, that's where I have uh, registered back to work.limo. You can look it up. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. They have excellent technical support to answer any questions that you may have. And they are dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Ooh, let's throw in some shade. I think they call that a subtweet. Dot .inc, dot .inc. Whoa, there's a dot .inc. That's the new premium domain extension for businesses that want to be taken seriously. Have you checked if your brand name is currently available for purchase to the public? Well, don't let someone else beat you to it. You got to get your brands. Dot .inc, dot .inc domain. For small startups to large enterprises, brands are taking notice of the credibility of a dot .inc domain. Over 56% of Forbes' most valuable brands are registered. That includes PayPal, uh, Facebook, Fox, Amazon, and Walmart. Um, Hover also has a free Who is Privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information. Super clean uh, user experience on the site. And they have monthly sales on popular top-level domains. So it's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. Millions of company names end with Inc. And now your domain can too. And upgrade your domain to the perfect match. Join over 56% of Forbes' most valuable brands. Register your .inc domain today. So right now, you please go to hover.com slash diffs. That's D-A-F-F-S. You're going to get a 10% discount on all new purchases. The URL, one more time, hover.com slash diffs. Friends, make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. 
I, uh, I am really charmed by this unexpected um, notional optimism from you. I mean, it's not that is not really optimism because saying it's going to be four more years of Trump. I think I feel like it's something that we all have to dedicate some portion of our brain to prepping. <sighs> yeah, for. you know, the problem is accelerationism is a is a young man's game, and it, <laughs> it takes true. out it takes out a lot of people. Um, and and so like the last thing I want to be is optimistic right now, but. And I, I'm I'm partly just parroting things I've heard smarter people say, but there are a lot of things that are different. Even before we get into like <laughs> gesturing broadly, um, COVID, you know, children in cages, fine people on both sides, all that kind of stuff. There are some pretty important diff. If this is a fair fight, there's some pretty important differences. I mean, one obvious one is a pretty consistent level of both approval and polling. Again, you know, that and five bucks will get you a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. But one thing I think is a little bit overlooked that I have some hope in, um, in 2016, you had, for example, Jill Stein. And Jill Stein, a third-party candidate, was able to draw off enough people from the who might have other, might, might, might have otherwise voted Democratic. And that did one of the million things that went wrong in 2016. But that was one of them. Well, this year, there's not really, there's not really a substantial national third-party candidate to draw away from Democrats. If there is anybody who, who says, you know, a pox on both your houses, well, they're probably going to vote Libertarian or whatever, wherever Kanye is on the ballot. I, th- I think that is potentially kind of important. All those other things are probably more important, but that's one thing that I think is super interesting. There's no Ross Perot this year. There's no Lyndon LaRouche. There's no Ron Paul. There's not anybody. There's no uh, teabaggers. There's nobody in there who's going to be able to to draw away from the candidate that most people grudgingly, in many cases, including me, really want to see win. Do, do you think about that at all? Yeah, and actually, I've 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 been stepping up this like bringing up the third party candidates is a good point because i've been stepping up this ladder of like i don't know in the recent in recent years and recent decades of like various smart people trying to say uh let's address the root problem of you know our system of government in fact one of the things that springs to mind i forget who it was i think it was lessig lawrence lessig had a thing called root strikers or something it's right in the name like, let's get what is the root of it and the root of it was like money in politics or something right Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, you know, yeah, other things are important, too, but you got to deal with campaign finance and Citizen United's and get the money out of politics because you're never going to get a working system without that. And that makes sense if you think about it. But now I think this, you know, 2016 and everything else that has come after it has gotten me thinking that there is a route below that. Uh, Like you can go rooter, you know, the five whys or whatever. Like that's just the fourth why. And the fifth why is our stupid voting system and it's, it's front of mind now for the reason you just mentioned like hey third party candidates are only a problem because we have this, a stupid voting system right um and in fact on my local ballots i, I voted by mail uh, a couple weeks ago or whatever it was um but one of the things on our local ballots was a question to uh to roll out uh ranked choice voting please which which makes it which makes it so that third party candidates don't automatically ruin it for everybody there's and nothing a, there's nothing about that that doesn't make sense right F- and, financially in terms of fairness, like everything about it makes so much sense. And, and so that, and I feel the reason I feel like that is more rude is not because you don't have to solve campaign finance, but you'll never solve campaign finance if the voting system prevents candidates that would want to fix things from ever being elected because they don't properly align with the, you know, center right Democrats or, you know what I mean? Or the radical right mm-hmm. Republicans and no one else has any chance because they're a stupid voting system. So it's like that, you know, 
uh, if I'm becoming like a one issue voter, it's like uh, the issue is fix the system so that the will of the people can be better expressed. And that means doing things like, you know, dealing with the, you know, Supreme Court and the system that allows uh, that has allowed what has happened to happen. Right. Change that system. Congress, mm -hmm. if there's stupidity there. Change that system. Rank choice voting for everything, you know. Uh, the national, whatever, national popular vote compact thing, like get that through, you know, like whatever, whatever you have to do to change the system to be more representative, because it is not particularly representative now, some by design and some by accident. And the problem, the problem has been for almost my entire life that issues that have broad support among the people, right, like gun control can't get through because our system prevents it. And that's a broken system, right? So, mm -hmm. I, you know, so if, if you say, what what's the one thing you want the Democrats to do? If you're feeling vindictive, you're like, oh, prosecute Trump. Who cares? It's going to be dead. Whatever. Who cares? The one thing that the entire, you know, it's like spend all four years. Yes. You know, deal with coronavirus in a competent way. That would be nice, huh? Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, fix, fix the voting systems. Are you right? The the, without the structural stuff, there's, there's not much point to it. I think this has been debunked, but it's a, it's a fun meme, which is that one of the was it Wisconsin? Dakota is one of them. They said they have as, as many elect, electoral votes as they do escalators. I think that that has been debunked. I mean, yeah, there's lots of little funny things, though, but it doesn't matter. Like, and that's not even the worst part of the thing. I feel like ranked choice voting alone, if rolled out across the entire country, which would be a hell of a task, solves so many problems because it, it gives people more choices than the two we're always stuck with. And mm -hmm. the ability for a third party in either direction to destroy it for anybody is there's no room for new voices. There's no room for anybody to do anything except for what these two giant monolithic duopoly parties demand. We have to play that game because that's the current game. But if that stops being the game, I think it will better allow the will of the people to be expressed. And eventually you get down to the bottom, you know, you keep knocking down these big boulders. You will eventually get to, hey, the Senate, it's an issue, right? I get it. Yeah, it it yeah. definitely is. But Rank trust voting at the local level and then work up to the state level and then, you know, d fix the stupid rules in Congress that prevent things that 80 and 90 percent of the country is in favor of for decades from ever getting passed. Right. And that gets to the money thing. Right. You work your way up. And it's like, is that the role of governing? Really? Aren't, aren't, you, aren't you supposed to actually govern and and, you know, raise money through right, taxes right. and the, have do, services? Do the, do the content, yeah. the content of governing. But I'm also reminded of something that you certainly have seen and heard a hundred times more than me, which is like, why aren't there more women in STEM? Like, why aren't there more women engineers? And like the, for years in all kinds of education or uh, vocations, the, they would say, well, you know, it's just, well, originally they would say, well, you know, women just aren't as smart as men. But then you get, well, like, hey, if, if you want to do this, why don't you just show up and do the work? And it's like, well, that's the problem is that it's not, it's not really as simple as that. Anytime you hear somebody talking about what a meritocracy something is, that should ring a bell in your head that, that there is actually something, there's an unacknowledged structural advantage for some group that they will probably have fairly little interest in getting rid of in order to actually achieve a goal of equality. And it's easier to just, you know, sort of blame the victim and say, well, you know, well, girls should, you know, math is hard. Girls should try harder if they want to be engineers. Oh, they're not, they're not interested in it. And it's like, well, we'll just get, we'll get them interested. And it's like, we're going to encourage lots of women to go into STEM. And it's just like, you're just throwing more women into a threshing machine fix the threshing machine, right? And that's the system of voting. It's yeah. like, oh, well, we need more people to vote and we need more. To, it's like, look, how many more people need, you know, the, the, we've seen all the crazy statistics of like exactly how many millions of more people could want Biden to win and still have him lose. And it just gets, it gets more and more ridiculous. And, you know, when's the last time a Republican won the popular vote for presidency? And, 
what things have incredible approval among a majority approval among Republicans and still cannot be passed for decades because of special interests. And it's just it's just a broken system. I mean, it's not the only thing that needs to be fixed, but it's almost as if like if you could waste an entire presidency, a being competent in your other things like so that would be a huge change. But B, you're real kind of like Obamacare. Like I feel like uh, Obama's real thing was like, I'm going to govern and be good, gov- you know, be good president, do all the things a normal, intelligent person would do and not be an idiot. But also I'm going to spend every ounce of my energy to try to get this healthcare thing done. And no, it wasn't great, but it's like, it's what could get passed, right? And to have mm-hmm. failed at that, to have tried to do that and to have failed, it's like, you know, it, it, for, for all the terrible flaws of Obamacare, to have attempted that and gotten nothing would be worse. And so I feel like if you're going to dedicate your entire presidency and your entire life to one thing now, that one thing should be, can I make structural change to the way our system of government works? Pick whatever you want it to do. Do you want it to be ranked choice vo- voting? Uh, you know, at the national level and do a campaign to try to get that passed everywhere? Do you want to use your clout to try to change the rules in Congress? Like, what do you want to do? But just make some kind of structural change in the right direction in the same way that Obamacare was a healthcare change in the right direction, at least-ish, right? You know what I mean? As Mm -hmm. opposed to getting nothing and just being exactly like we would be before where insurance companies rule with an even larger iron fist than they do now. If you want to fix the threshing machine, please go out and vote. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. And unfortunately, we need like millions and millions of more votes than the other side to quote unquote win. So that's that's a problem. But I think I think you should only vote once. I think that's only fair. Yeah. But, you know, we need that. That's yeah. We need everybody. I mean, unless you got some kind of like a Joe Kennedy that that could go in there and grease some palms. It was exciting when uh, Kennedy lost in our. I don't know if you keep. Oh, that, that Ken- story. yeah, Kennedy and Markey. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Uh, wasn't that a pretty crazy local story? I mean, I think everyone who had the Kennedy and Mystique is dead now, and so it's just left with sane people are gonna be like, "What? No." <laughs> you know. It's not- well, I mean, it's my understanding that John Kennedy Jr. is around and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is making his influence felt in the uh, the broader truth community. Who is he right supposed now? to marry? I forget what that. Daryl Hannah? No, no. Like in is that the, Jackson in the, Brown? In, is Jackson in the, Brown in the, the one in QAnon? In the fantasy QAnon scenario, there was something where JFK Jr. is going to, uh, he's, he's still alive and he's going to marry somebody. I forget who it was. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> oh, the threshing machine. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash Diffs, ah, now that summer's a distant memory, we're all getting ready to spend more time indoors. Or, you know, more, more, more time indoors. Well, the good news is that Burrow is here for you, as always, to help you make the most of your home. From their award-winning modular sofas and sectionals to the rest of uh, your living room furniture, whatever you need, you can uh, make yourself at home. Burrow has it all. Burrow's Nomad Collection is practical and adaptable. You can assemble a sofa by yourself without any tools or help in just minutes. And they offer features you simply won't find at big box furniture stores or even other sofas that you can get online, like a built-in USB charger. How cool is that? Um, Both the all-new velvet and the classic fabric are made from durable materials that resist stains and scratches, making them safe for families and pets. Uh, There are over, this is crazy, there are over 23,000 custom options to create your perfect sofa. It's a lot of custom options. You can pick from three arm styles, six leg styles. You can add an ergonomic bolster, an 
ergonomic bolster or lumbar cushions, <laughs> not to mention the size and shape of your seating. You can attach a chaise lounge uh, to any seat, or you can go with a floating ottoman. I have a floating ottoman. And there's so many good names in this. And there are now five, five, five glamorous shades of performance velvet to choose from. Performance velvet. Burrow makes so much more than sofas, you know, from uh, clever storage-focused coffee tables to modular, easy-to-hang wall shelves. Burrow has everything to outfit your living room. So you can check out the newly launched credenzas and benches in different styles. Go for classic mid-century details or prioritize functional storage. Um, I bought a Burrow because uh, we needed a couch. I bought it before they were a sponsor. I used my own money, and I did not even use a discount code. And uh, it, it's really, it's pretty crazy. A bunch of boxes come, you carry it upstairs, you're good to go. You're not going to have to deal with moving a sofa. You're moving pieces of a sofa. Like Dr. Katz says, you're cooking a rice. You understand? In this case, you can do this all yourself. It's, it's really easy. Just a few minutes and you've got a new couch. And as always, every single Burrow order includes fast and free shipping, which can often run over $100 with other furniture brands. Something to keep in mind. And right now, you can save an extra $75 by going to burrow.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash diffs for $75 off. Our thanks to Burrow for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. John, um, this week is uh, one of our special episodes. We've got some bonus content this week. Uh, people who support our show directly, thank you to all of you who do that. There's a lot of you doing it. We really super appreciate it. Um, you can uh, become a member anytime by going to relay.fm slash rd. And this is one of those weeks where uh, we're going to be doing some uh, bonus content. This is mostly your baby. So why don't you tell the nice people what we're doing this week? Yeah, the last time we had some bonus content, and by the way, the bonus content is at the end of the episode, if you are a member. If you are a member, you get a special feed of the show that is the regular show with no ads in it, and then this content at the end. So anyway, last time we did it, we were recommending songs to each other to try to find songs that we like that we thought the other person might also like. Turned out to be very difficult, and one of the things we came up with at the end of that show was like, what if we had the listeners send us suggestions for songs that they think we might like? Uh, and it's any listeners, it's not just members, right? And so we got as of this recording, at least 185 suggestions, um, mm -hmm. probably more by now because I haven't been keeping up with them. Unfortunately, if you're sending suggestions like right now, like we're not going to see them because we're recording. And, you know, it's the pre-tape call-in show thing mm -hmm. all over mm -hmm. again. We're, we're sorry. But anyway, 185 is plenty. Um, so at the John, end of John, the show, can I be straight with you? I didn't listen to all of them. Well, you know, I didn't think you would. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Did oh, you? Oh, so they were they were categorized because they could be suggestions for me, suggestions mm -hmm. for you, or suggestions for both of us, right? So none of us had to listen to all 185, but I, I did try to listen to a lot of them. So anyway, that's that's what you're going to hear if you are a member at the end of the show. And if you become a member at any time in the future, you can listen to all the member episodes. So you get access to the entire back catalog. We did lots of fun member things in the past. Mm-hmm. Retroactive friend of the show, relay.fm slash rd. Thanks very much for your support. What do we got here? We got, um, oh, hmm. Yeah, you drive. What are we doing here? So, I mean, election night just came up in the whole election stuff just because it's how, I mean, how can it not? Like, it's one of those times, that, you know, when sometimes when COVID invades in the show, it's like at a certain point, you know, it's it's the debate. The next show is potentially on election night. It's just we, I couldn't help but talk about it. So I apologize if you don't want to hear about that. But sometimes reality does intrude on these shows. And, I, and when this comes out, who knows when it'll be? Will it be after the election? I don't even know anymore. It's hard to tell. I don't know. The math, the math is hard. We're doing this on an unusual night, too. Yeah. So. So, but I, you know, because actually, yeah, I had, I had to shift it and it actually was worked out nice and gave us two extra days to listen to songs. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, 
But that mini topic I just threw in there, we have a leftover topic from last episode. Where we're talking about dangerous things <laughs> done unintended as a child, and I pushed it off to the side. I don't know how much there is to say about this, but you expressed an interest in knowing more about Action Park uh, because I have some personal experience with it. So what do you want to know? I think that's a good Minai topic. Um, yeah, so we talked last time uh, or so. I can't really keep it straight. My brain is a salad at this point. But we talked about um, mainly because of the recent documentary on what Hulu? Netflix? Where was it? HBO. HBO. Um, and uh, and basically talking about Action Park. Um, that's what led us to want to talk about that. John, y- you are from the uh, tri-state area, which I think is New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. It is not. Okay. And so you ha- you've had firsthand experience at the titular Action Park. Is that correct? That's true. I want to hear about this. How, how did, how, with whom did you go? What was the experience like? What era was it? Did you see any of the things that all these different documentaries talk about? Tell me about Action Park. Well, like a lot of these things that become big in the world, in the age of the internet and become memes. I mean, let's take a let's take a prosaic example. Bacon. Remember when everything on the internet was about bacon for about a year and a half? Do you remember that? Uh, I surely do. Everyone loved bacon. Bacon was super big. Well, guess what? We all had bacon as kids. And mm-hmm. someone involved in that meme might say, you had bacon as a kid? What was it like? And it was like, it was just bacon, right? Like, we didn't, it was no internet. There was no memes. We just had, we liked bacon. It was good, but it was, you know, it wasn't what it is now. And just because you're super into bacon now because of internet memes doesn't mean retroactively it becomes this big thing. So I feel like Action Park is similar in that, you know, I, I grew up on Long Island and we did the typical things that a middle class family from Long Island would do in terms of vacations. Uh, our, our weird variant is we went skiing a lot. But other than that, during the summertime, you know, we went to beaches because everyone on Long Island does that. Um, and we drove to visit relatives in the tri-state area. Um, uh, we also went to uh, amusement parks that people do. So there's local ones like Adventureland. Um, was it Adventureland? I, I, that stupid movie is infecting my memory. Um, we went to, uh, great. I was about to say Great America. Again, the Midwest infected me. Great Adventure which the rest of the country may know is Great America, but we went to Great Adventure in New Jersey, which was roller coasters, you know, lightning loops, the log flume, all that other stuff. And on our, you know, list of a rotation of places we went was also Action Park, right? So during the summer, we would always go to Great Adventure one or two times, Action Park one or two oh, times. Oh, I see. It's a Six Adventure Flags Land. now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Six Flags. Yeah, sorry. I, I don't know what other people call these things, but it was just part of the rotation of things that we did during the summer. Right. It was a special event because it was like a two hour drive or whatever, you know, more special, <laughs> yeah, like, like an inter- entertainment stations of the cross that you would go through. Yeah. I mean, because basically it's like by default, you go to the beach every single weekend or every single day or depending on what you're doing. And then the special days you drive somewhere, drive to grandma's house, you know, have the family goes to Great Adventure. Or, anyway, so we went as a family, got we were in an actual station wagon because this thing that existed back then. And the whole family would climb in and we would drive for, you know an hour or two or three, depending on traffic, to go to one of these places. And Action Park was not, I mean, I'm not going to say it wasn't any different than Great Adventure. It was very different, and I could feel the difference was. But if you had asked me as a kid, uh, is Action Park like this deadly thing, whereas Great Adventure is tame and like Disney, I would say, well, Action Park is very different and it probably is slightly more dangerous, but 
when I was little, lightning loops was just as terrifying as the Alpine slide. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to, I'm thinking about like, cause my, so three that come to mind for me, um, obviously huge, uh, Kings Island amusement park outside Cincinnati, uh, Disney world in Orlando when I was a kid. And then of course the myriad sorts of carnivals that you would go to fun fairs, as Mike Hurley would say. Mm-hmm. That, that's like what Avengerland is like, or maybe something set up in a parking lot. Uh, that's what I was going to say. So did, did it read? So in the distinctions between these, obviously, you know, Kings Island. Oh my God. It was so great. At the time it was all Hanna-Barbera stuff. Oh, so amazing. I liked it better in Disney world. Um, and it was close. Uh, did, did, um, did action park read as closer to like a dangerous traveling carnival? Did it seem chintzy? Here's what it read closer to. And probably the reason I found it less intimidating and scary as a kid, it read closer to your parents taking you to like the good playground across town, you know, like, Mm. Oh, well Mm -hmm. in this neighborhood, they, you know, we have actually had this one. There was an elementary school that was not our elementary school, but it was like two towns over. And for whatever reason, they totally bulldozed their playground and built this amazing, they called it a natural playground. It was all made out of wood and it was like the size of a city and it was like, had huge Whoa. castles and things going through. That, it just, that's that's ahead of its time. That You see those now, but back then that was pretty rare. I've never seen one like this because it doesn't look like the current playgrounds. Like it, it was very much like, like a little village structure. Like it wasn't big on the monkey bars and the slides, although they were there. It was more like, mm-hmm. like I don't know, like an Ewok village on the ground. Anyway. We would drive to go to that. And the reason I say Action Park is more like your parents take you to a really awesome playground is because when you go to something like Great Adventure, even the carnival, you wait in line to go on a ride that then does the ride thing while you sit in it, right? Whereas when you go to a playground, there are things there, but what happens is up to you. You decide, am I going to climb to the top of the monkey bars and walk on them with one foot on each bar? Am I going to jump off of this thing? Am I going to go down this slide, right? Are we going to play hide and seek? Like, what's going to happen? It was up to you. And Action Park was less like going to a place to go on a ride and more like going to a playground where you got to use the playground equipment. So, for example, the Alpine slide, right? Even as a kid, I remember you you go up on a chairlift, which was fine with me because I was familiar with chairlifts from skiing or whatever. You go up on a, on a chairlift to the top of the Alpine slide. On the side of your chairlift would be the little plastic cart thingies that you're going to take down the Alpine slide. The Alpine slide is, imagine a ski resort in, in you know, in, you know, the upstate New York mountains or whatever. And down the hill is a sort of U-shaped concrete channel that winds its way down the hill, right? And your little cart, you're going to sit on this little plastic uh, wagony thing. It's like a, almost like a one of those little dollies that you put. Uh, like, for, like for a mechanic? Yeah, exactly. Like, what are they called? Creepers or whatever? Where you going under a car and you lay on your oh, back? It's a little. It's a little like a. It's a cart with uh, wheels on the bottom that spin around, and but you're going to ride this down a, a, a fixed track. Yeah, and it's like a little tiny concrete half pipe that goes down a little tube, right? And so your little, you get off the the chairlift and you you take off your little thingies or someone taking off for you, and and it, ha- it had a brake on it that I'll describe in a second, and that was your means of control. But right at the top of the chairlift, there was a giant billboard where where you might imagine you'd see like the trail map. On a ski resort, like you get off the chairlift and you look at the trail map and say, all right, where are we going to go? I'm going to go down this trail. You're going to go down that trail, whatever. Instead of a trail map, it was glossy, full color photos of injuries of, you know, really bad abrasions, cuts, blood, pus, huge bruises. Photographs or like photographs of actual actual injuries did wrong, not actors Mm -hmm. with makeup on. But actual injuries taken with a flash, like all glary, like you can imagine, right? Photographs of actual grievous injuries. And this sign was was basically saying, warning, 
if you do not heed the instructions that are here in bold letters, this will happen to you. Can you imagine getting off a ride, get, start getting to the top of a ride at Disney World and them showing you actual photos of people with grievous injuries who had previously gone on this ride? I cannot. Right. But if you don't think of it as an amusement park, but instead think of it as a playground, you're like, OK, well, they're telling you that if you horse around in the wrong way on this playground equipment, you will get injured, which was true. Like if you climb to the top of the big structure at the big wooden playground and jump off, you will break your leg. Kid, kids broke their legs in playgrounds. It happened all the time. It happened to Todd mm-hmm. Vizieri. <laughs> <Just, laughs> right? You know, and Poor what, Todd. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Todd. And what they're trying to tell you is this is playground equipment, but it's playground equipment for grown-ups, and it can be dangerous if you mess up. And so you'd get on your little creeper cart thingy, and it had a big handle that was between your legs. You'd sit on your butt. Your legs are your legs are straight out in front of you, or maybe like bent, depending on how you fit them. If you're a little kid, they'd go straight. If you're an adult, they would be bent. Wait, so you're sitting upright with your legs out, and the control stick is in front of your dingus? Yes, exactly. Your control oh stick is right between your legs, um, exactly like your dingus, only slightly forward, right? Uh, yeah. And what the control stick did is you sit on it, and the control stick uh, sticks straight up. And in that position, you don't go anywhere. Because in that position, the only thing touching the surface of the concrete is like a brake pad and your wheels are in the air. So you're not going anywhere, right? So the default state is braking. The only way you can move is to press that lever down with both your hands if you're a little kid, press it all the way down flat. And in that way, that that pad is no longer touching the concrete and instead all four of your wheels are. So that's, <laughs> you're freewheeling. that's, yeah. that's maximum speed. Anything in between is like, you know, how much do you want to scrape that pad along the concrete to slow yourself down? So to go fast, you had to press pretty hard, again, especially if you're a little kid, and hold it forward. You can imagine yourself in that position, your legs out in front of you, and you're pressing a, a metal rod down so it's flat on the on the surface of your little creeper thing that you're on, right? That was the way to go fast. Now, like most track things, like a racetrack or whatever, if you've, if you've ever driven on a racetrack, even with like a go-kart or something, you know that racetracks are in general designed so that you can't just floor it the whole time on the racetrack. You will go mm-hmm. off the track. Like there are turns and when turns come, you have to break because if you don't break, guess what? Your vehicle can't make the turn. That's the point of racing. If, if the point of racing was everyone just held the, the accelerator down to floor the whole time and steered, that wouldn't be racing, right? The Alpine slab is exactly like that. There were turns and there were giant signs telling you turn coming up, slow down, blah, 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 blah. Oh kind of like God. on the road, like, you know, slow curve, 30 miles an hour around this curve with the big signs. Those signs are there for a reason, because if you don't and you go 60, you can't make that turn. And that was true of the Alpine slide. So that's why it was like uh, playground equipment. Playground equipment would tell you, do not jump from this height. You will break your leg because it's a long way to the ground, right? One uh. person at a time in the tube slide so you don't get jammed up and, you know, crack your skull or something, right? There are rules for playground equipment to make it safe. There are rules on racetracks, right? Even at the roller rink, there's rules about which direction you have to go in. And if you start going against traffic, someone will whistle at you and tell you to go off to the side. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's why it was less like Disney or Great Adventure, because in those places, they ask nothing of you except keep your hands inside the vehicle. They strap you in. You're going to go on this ride whether you like it or not. The ride will execute the same way every single time unless there's some kind of malfunction. And that's it, right? It's kind of like sitting down for a movie. You sit down, the movie plays in front of you, and that's it. This is, was playground equipment. This was a playground for adults. And yes, it seemed like a more dangerous playground, but it seemed like a different thing than uh, Great Adventure. But both of them were like fun things we can do. We can go to the playground. We can go to the beach. We can go to Great Adventure. We can go to Action Park, right? Mm-hmm. So 
So yeah, I, I was a fairly cautious child, despite what I said all the last time. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about. Is is given given that you were such a daredevil and tree climber in so many ways, was this when you were a little bit younger when you were going to? No, the, but it, uh, the difference was that when when we're taking stuff from people's garbage to make ramps and going off of them, that we set up the ramps, we determine the parameters. Whereas here, like it always seemed like a place for adults or at least older teenagers. I was younger; I wasn't yet a teen, right? So mm-hmm. you'd see the probably drunk teens running around doing their things. The people running the rides look like adults, but they were probably just 17 year olds, right? Um, it seemed like a playground for grownups. And and the, especially that combined with the signs made me think, this is not your thing. This is not like the dirt bike tracks that you have in the backyard or the thing that you built in your tree. This is a thing made by adults and it actually is dangerous. You saw the picture. So maybe don't, you know, hold the thing down the whole time. Like I I followed the instructions. I did like what you would do in a race car, which is when the turns are coming up, you slow down so you don't go off the track. Doesn't mean I didn't mm-hmm. go fast. I had it down on the straights, right? But I never went off the track. Did I, I don't think I was ever even in danger of going off the track. I was a little bit more loosey-goosey with the water slides, which were my favorite thing because I felt like there was less danger there just because I was a good swimmer and I was used to the water. And on the water slides, I always go as fast as I can. But in general, the water slides actually weren't dangerous. The, the only da- real danger in water slides was colliding with another kid which you know, and that's like that's that's their that's their bad. That, that um that loop did not look <laughs> very safe. By the time the the loop yeah. loop that uh, where they found the teeth. <laughs> so the, so the the whole concept. This is this is another thing that kind of saved me. One of the other kind of rides they had was a tube uh, that would you know they put a stream of water down and you'd get into the tube in your bathing suit and you'd slide around and you'd pop out the end of the tube, right? Mm-hmm. And I always found those a little bit claustrophobic. Right, because mm-hmm. they're because a water slide or even the alpine slide is open to the air, but the tube. Yeah, well, like, in the in the movie, they make it sound like you go through parts that are very dark. Yeah, but once you get into the tube, you know, fifteen yards, there's no light. They didn't have lights in the tube. Right? <laughs> it was just dark and wet and echoey sounding, right? And so I was not a fan of the tube rides. Period. Even just the the ones that just kind of went in a wiggle and just dropped you into a freezing cold pool of water. I didn't even like those. So when the first year when we came and we were going up the the chairlift to the Alpine Slide or something, we looked down to our right and there's this loop thing. Just me and my you know friends and or siblings whoever was aware of it just went like uh uh-uh. uh like no like forget really? about whether we thought they were going to open that. We knew that we were never going to willingly go on that. Hmm. Because you look at it, it just didn't make any sense. Like even even as a ten year old. Well, and then that's the thing. Watching the movies, when you realize um, how much of the stuff was designed by people, designed, you know, put basically uh, conceptualized and created by people who had no business doing any of that. But at the same time, I mean, I was a very trusting kid in the sense of like, well, you know, it's sort of like Ioni Sky and say anything, where she's like, you know, if I'm on the plane and you know, and I hear a baby cry, I get scared. But if there's no baby crying, like. I feel like I will hopefully be taken care of here, but that's interesting that you you got the fear a little bit from that. But also, it would be really embarrassing to be hurt. It would be embarrassing to have your photo <laughs> that your your glistening, bloody, bruised face be on the board. It would be like you know, like you like uh, don't take checks from this guy kind of thing. Yeah, I mean I, at that at that age, I didn't I. It wasn't that I thought the people were. I, I had no idea the competency of the people making the ride. I was perfectly willing to believe that the same people made that ride as made the rides in Disney, like the same caliber of people because you're a kid. What the hell do you know? Sure, right? exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, to give an example from Great Adventure, there were roller coasters that I wouldn't go on at Great Adventure, not because I thought they were dangerous, but because they were too scary for me, right? Like I didn't, right. I didn't yeah. like particular sets of motion, you know, or like the teacups are too scary for me. That's because of motion sickness, right? But mm-hmm. 
and it's the same thing with the loop. I looked at that and said, other people can go in that fine. And if you, you know, but it's like, there's no way I'm going in that because that crossed my scary amusement ride threshold by a mile, right? And it crossed all of our thresholds. And it wasn't because we thought it was dangerous or designed by teenagers. It was just because it looked terrifying because we had been in tubes. We understood, like, unlike a looping <laughs> roller coaster where they strap you in, right? We know what it's like to be in one of those tubes. And you're like, wait mm-hmm. a second, tube, but then loop? How does that no <laughs> how would that yeah. work like we we the discussions we had looking at it were like what if you get stuck what happens if you go to the top and don't have enough speed what happens if you're at the top and they send somebody else down what if you're at the top and you're stationary and you have to go down the side to the bottom how do they get water to lubricate the top part because the water is not going to go through the loop so you're scraping <laughs> like all the things that were you know later revealed to be things that were factors in that ride we discussed those as kids as, as kids as reasons why we wouldn't go on that ride and that was towards the tail end of our going to to the place. In terms of injuries, you know, plenty of injuries at, at Action Park. Same, probably the same number of injuries I got on playgrounds. I would knock into other kids on the water slide. I would hit my head on things. You do lots of yeah. injuries, just like not on the rides, but just running around a place in your flip flops that's concrete in the sun, right? Scrape your <laughs> your toes and your knees, right. and you fall and just you know, this people. It was so crowded. It was so hot and so crowded. People were everywhere. They had a playground part too. It was one of my favorite parts huge cargo nets giant playgrounds oh, underneath the trees wow. uh water turret guns that were like powered by like you know plumbing they would shoot water at people at long distances you could have water fights it was it was really actually a fun place and the wave pool i guess that's the, the final thing i should talk about the wave pool was pretty terrifying like i grew up on Long island we went to the ocean i was familiar with ocean waves mm-hmm. but Ocean waves, as anyone knows, has been the ocean. Salt water is much more buoyant. You're much more buoyant in salt water than you are in fresh water. You, you want to really retain some situational awareness when you're in one of those things. We had one of those at Adventure Island, Bush Gardens Adventure, Adventure Island, I think it was called. And boy, if you weren't ready and that thing landed on you, woof. Yeah. And, 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 what a, and here's the thing. It's such an alien thing because lakes are fresh water, but do not have gigantic waves, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. big waves are in the ocean, but it's salt water and you're more buoyant. So now you're in huge waves, but fresh water. And it feels like you're just slipping through the water like a knife through butter. You expect to be more buoyant than you are. And the waves are big. And unlike the ocean, which has a big wave comes, then some littler ones, then a big one, and then some littler ones that come in sets. You know what I mean? Yeah, like seven waves. Yeah. Not not in the pool. And the pool is just <laughs> whatever they turn that dial up <laughs> they're to. All, they're all the seven. It's just, they're, all, they're all the killer waves. And it was packed. There were so many people in there. So if you, you know, you just, you, again, you get claustrophobic. You'd be shoulder to shoulder with these sweaty people or all, you know, just in there trying to have a good time bobbing around. I'm just imagining, for some reason, I keep thinking of Barney Gumble. I'm just imagining a lot of people like, ah! Yeah, so I, I swallowed a lot more water in that pool than I ever did in the ocean, and I was a lot more scared in that pool than I ever was in the ocean. And I was plenty scared in the ocean. So in general, I learned to stay away from the wave pool just because it didn't feel particularly safe. You know I mean? And all the things I said mm-hmm. about close, they would they would close the pool down, and we we talked to each other and our parents about like because you know when we first started it was like especially when you're a little kid and you're just in the little wave part, why do they have to stop the wave pool? Why are they stopping the fun? We came here to have fun. We we just got here. We go in the pool. We're we're having some fun or whatever. And they say, okay, everybody out. I'm like why why are they stopping the fun? And then you get a little bit older. Now you're now you're a world weary cynical ten year old, and it's like yeah, they do this to find the bodies, which wasn't Ooh. too far from the truth. Which was basically yeah, they wanted to make sure they had an awareness of what was going on, clear the pool so we can actually look and see, give the lifeguards <laughs> a mental break so they're not constantly looking 
for, you know, people who are dying. Of course, of course we got the most cases. We do the most testing. Exactly. Right. Every, every, <laughs> That's quite an approach. Every 15 minutes, we clear the pool to make sure there are no bodies in the bottom. It's pretty safe. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Mint Mobile. You can learn more about Mint Mobile right now by going to mintmobile.com slash diffs. Oh, it's so sad. Breaking up with your old wireless provider. Sometimes you just got to do it. It's a toxic relationship. Got to get out. It's all a lot easier now thanks to Mint Mobile. They were the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. And now Mint Mobile is introducing their unlimited data plan for just 30 bucks a month. That is right. You heard it correct. An unlimited plan for 30 bucks. How much is your soon-to-be X wireless provider charging you? Because uh, uh, Mint Mobile has a pretty good guess that it's probably more. Um, they sent me one of these uh, these little cards. It's a I got a real nice package. I popped it into my device, and I was thinking like, well, you know, wh- what do I need this for? But I popped it in, uh, did the the uh, registration, and now uh, Bob is my uncle. Mint Mobile is running on my device, and it's it's really cool. For people that hate their phone bill and are ready for something new, Mint Mobile offers their premium unlimited plan for just thirty bucks a month. They do this by going online only, eliminating the traditional costs of retail, and then passing those savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. Keep your same phone number, very cool, along with all your existing contacts. That's a feather in your cap. If you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered. They have a seven-day money-back guarantee. So break up with big wireless and switch to Mint Mobile's premium unlimited data plan. 30 bucks a month. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 30 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, you go to mintmobile.com slash diffs. That's D-A-F-F-S, mintmobile.com slash diffs. Cut your unlimited wireless bill to 30 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash diffs. Thanks to Mint Mobile for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I wonder what the name for that is. Like when you're doing the orientation meeting, they probably have like, well, maybe they don't because it's Action Park. They maybe it has a euphemism, you know? I mean, I think in lifeguard world, even in just regular pools, you do that. I, my impression is you do it mostly to give the lifeguards a break, whether it's because they're changing shifts or just because mentally being that vigilant mm-hmm. all the time is exhausting and you need a break to make your vigilance later be good you know what i mean so you don't start to i was, was going to guess that maybe it's when they had an injury they probably shut it off or when like when they're worried that somebody's going down and it was i'm pretty sure it was timed when i was there i'm pretty sure it was just like, like clockwork no matter what happens there is going to be we're going to tell everybody out at this interval of time obviously if something happens that's also a time when everybody gets out when i was a kid um i, I can't i couldn't tell you the exact day month and year that this happened but i do have a very clear recollection of a, a moment of clarity um i love carnival rides like you know i love like you know uh, like Oktoberfest type things. Any of those things where there's some crummy little carnival that comes to town. It's got all the all the typical ones, you know, you got like the usually like a uh, like a small, I forget the name for it, but like um but one of those small footprint German uh, roller coasters that's uh very clever in the way that it uses the amount of land that's available. I used to love one called the Scrambler, but my all-time favorite, especially as I got older, was called um Zipper, the Zipper. And you could Google that. You, they use lots of photos. And the zipper, how do you describe this? It looks kind of like the shape of a paperclip. And it's got cars on it. And the big paperclip goes around. 
And you remember that thing when you're a kid where you have like, it's not a top, but like you've got that hand toy where you got like a little thing that goes down the rails and then comes around and you try and keep it. It's got a magnet you're trying to keep it on. Each one of the cars on this thing, because of the nature of the, the paperclip-like pattern, and I'll put this in notes so y'all can see what I'm talking about. Um, you're in your own little car, uh, two people in a car, and it, uh, the door closes. You've got a bar inside. And uh, and really, if you do nothing at all, there's a pretty good chance if it hits at the right moment, you're going to get a really good spin. Like, you know. Um, but if you and your partner are really good at it, there's a bar in there that you can grab where you can rock it back and forth. You can hear me demonstrating here. And when you get to just the right point at the top, you flip and you get extra momentum for, for super duper duper flips. And I, I loved it so much. I, I liked that, you know, you could make it scarier. It was really fun. But I do have, I'd ridden on one of these, I don't know how many times in my childhood. And probably by the time I was maybe 11, 12, 13, I remember getting in and this was the first time I really paid attention to how the thing worked. And the, the, the typically very, you know, sharp-witted uh, carnival worker put us in. And then I think it's called a cotter pin, like a little, like a hairpin thing you stick in to close mm -hmm. the door. And I was like, huh, huh, <laughs> that, that little thing right there that that stoner uh, boy just, just put in, that, that's all that's going to keep this door from opening up, isn't it? And uh, I mean, I kept riding it again in the future, but you know, you'd always hear the horror stories <laughs> about, about what could go on at these parks. And like, uh, that was, that was probably a someone, in, I still remember it many, many years later, you know, 40 years later, I think it made an impression upon me that, you know, de death is waiting for me. Yeah. I, I feel like the, any type of carnival that comes into town on flatbed trucks sets up and then leaves, I feel like mm -hmm. is the top level of danger mm -hmm. <laughs> of, of, we, we have those things too, right? Because the ride's like, this was on a truck and you just kind of like unfolded and set it up and how old is this thing and who's running yeah, it how, how often is how often are these getting maintained are they being inspected, inspected and, by the government no yeah but, but also like and again i'm way overthinking this but you think about most jobs um in all kinds of ways they give the more difficult work to the more experienced and mature people you know whether that's you know neurosurgery or or whatever um and so, like, I think maybe on, like, the marquee rides, the, like, five-ticket rides, I, I would bet you that they had more people working on that, more competent people. And if you're on, like, the little, like, just merry-go-round style rides, you could put any stoner on there and it'd be fine. I think the real danger does come with something at the level of a zipper or a scrambler. I bet that's where, where it can break bad pretty quickly because you got the kid, you know, who's been there mm -hmm. for a week and a half doing it. And, and this, this ride, I mean, so a few things about this ride. One... Because as you described, it has sort of rider participation. Mm -hmm. uh, anytime there's rider participation, it leaves a place for a bunch of teenagers to do something stupid or adults for that yeah, matter. They're, they're agents of chaos. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. And just, you know, to someone, you know, just a drunk person who decides, gonna, you know, if they're going to break the ride or do something unexpected, you know, that's that's why Disney rides this very little margin for participation from the, the people to do anything dangerous. And the second thing is, this is the type of ride that A, I would never have gone on as a kid and B, I would not go on to this day. And not because it's scary, but because I would get so sick on this thing. Like anything with repeated circular motion. The, the flipping, the flipping over would not be fun for it's you. It's like a mo, yeah. And like I said, the teacups are the, literally the, the most deadly ride for me because it is just circles within circles. Oh yeah. Well, if you, if you make the mistake of like doing some joyous thing where you let your head go like outside of Alice's cup. Oh boy. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what they do with my head. You mean I'm going to spin? spin under the control of the people in the teacup with me and then that's going to spin around another thing that's spinning and no no yeah absolutely not so that's like my worst nightmare but in my nightmares i'm in the teacup or the zipper 
with a bunch of other people who are super enthusiastic about making it as hellish as possible and just Ugh. me just wanting to vomit instantly. And then the worst thing about these carnival rides, the reason the teacups are so deadly and the drive legs are so deadly is they last so long. Roller coasters mm-hmm. are over in like 90 seconds, right? These rides, they go until the carny finishes his cigarette. <laughs> and then, and, and then yeah, he remembers yeah, to yeah, stop yeah. and get everybody off. It's not, I do not want that. I do not want to be on, like, there's so many carnival rides that are like that, that they try to give you your money's worth by letting you ride for so long in this repeated motion. Oh, man. No. Yeah, there's, there's at least a couple things you'd never guess about me. Um, one is that I, I really enjoy the music of Kanye West. And another one is that I am a thrill ride junkie. I, you cannot, you know, the way there's those, those, those people who are like, oh, you can't make it hot enough for me. Put the mm-hmm. scotch bonnet in there. It's like, I give me your worst. I love it. I love it so much. And we have a, um, I think it's Great America near here that has the best roller coasters. It's DC-themed. Their new Joker roller coaster is really good. Their Superman roller coaster is incredible. Um, so I've I've always I've always loved um, stuff like that. But I I think there's a big difference between being in an environment like like Great America or even Santa Cruz and versus these carnival rides. And, and what I would note here is that one one of the rare th- ways I really I become I don't know when we go to an amusement park I usually break off from the family for at least an hour. I buy the most premium pass that there is, very privileged, walk straight on. I, 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 I want to fit as many roller coasters as possible because nobody will go on them with me. But I'll tell you one thing that's real different today, pretty much everywhere. And this, I don't know if it's a California thing or if it's just a litigious thing, but there's a pretty elaborate series of fail-safes now from hardware stuff, but most especially what you notice is the employees. And you probably haven't noticed this because you're not a big roller coaster rider. Oh, but... No, I am. That's what I'm saying. Roller coasters I'll do because they're not repeated motion. Teacups are bad. Okay. But have you seen the thing where like you there's there's a lot of it's almost like a Gordon Ramsay kitchen. You know, Gordon Ramsay's always wanting all the chefs talking to each other. Yes, chef. You know, mm-hmm. six yeah, lots all day. Of, lots of walkie-talkies, lots of checkpoints. Lots of hand signals. Mm-hmm. Lots of like, do you have the comms, sir? Yeah, Turn exactly. your key, sir. Two and double I, key systems. I think that's sure. come a long, a pretty long way from... That was one of the things that I used to measure the how good a ride is going to be. In the early days, it was, are people required to remove their earrings? That was that was one bar that you would cross. You know what I mean? If you no to, sandals allowed. If, if you go on a roller coaster and you have to remove your earrings, you know you're in for it. These days, it's like, do you have to put everything, you, all your belongings into a locker, which they try to charge you for? You know the locker system? Yes. like, oh, you want to come yeah, on I know, this I've ride? I've seen that for sure. No, yeah, yeah. no sandals, no hats, no glasses, no phones, no purses. Pay for this locker. Put your stuff in basically a strip down so you're only wearing like a, you know... Uh, a unisex leotard thing or <laughs> whatever. Just... <laughs> they give you they give you a bespoke jumpsuit, right? Yeah, there's one. There's one. Uh, one of the ones at uh, I think Great America is one of those like it's like a kind of like a hanging roller coaster. No, maybe it's is it on? Yeah, no, Superman. Superman yeah, is Super, like yeah, this. Superman's a, a track. Have on you top. have you been on a Superman? I've been on a Superman. I think I was on actually on one of the ones at Great America. It was the one with like 90 mile an hour long. It takes show off super thing. fast. Yeah goes backwards super fast, goes up the hill, goes down the hill, and then it just beats the living crap mm-hmm. out of you. And everybody is legit shrieking. Yeah, it's I, I, it's I, so I, fun. I tend not to favor the rides that thrash my head a bit. And some of them are like, if you remember the old wooden coasters? I don't know if you've ever been on mm-hmm. the Cyclone at Coney Island or any of those, any of those old wooden coasters. Yeah, we had a roller uh, wooden one at uh, Kings Island called The Racer yeah. and another one called The Beast. And the old, like, Bush Gardens had good wooden roller coasters. And so, so did Great oh, Adventure, really? for that matter. Yeah, Bush like, Gardens it, in Virginia? Yeah, or, or no, okay. it was in Pennsylvania. No, Hershey Park, I'm thinking of, sorry. Not okay. Bush Gardens, Hershey Park. Um, but anyway, 
you can make a wooden roller coaster that's fun and old timey, right? But the actual old wooden coasters, merciless. Like, they would merciless. just slam the side of your hips into the hard, like wooden side of the car. It is never it just... the part you expect. There's like the, there's the long going up. There's the the fun dropping down. But it's the it's the turns yeah. and then those little circuits where it goes like side it, to side because it didn't care. It didn't care about like you know no. leaning into the turn. It was just like it was. Just, it's just a terrible, harsh rail system, and you and you'd be bruises on like your hips and your legs, and if you weren't careful, you'd bang heads with the person Ugh. sitting next to you because there was no Bring separation. It, it was like a bruise bench me. seat. Bruise me so hard. Oh my god, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So the oh it, my god, that was actually one of my favorite uh, coasters at uh, Great Adventure was Rolling Thunder. It was a very tame, but also very very long. It had one hill on it that was substantial. It was one, you know one so so hill and the rest of it was just up and down hills and you got to hear the clacking and it was a wooden coaster a clacking of the wooden coaster and oh, there God. was no really harsh turns and you up and down hills and it was nice there was also a cool one that was one of the more modern one of the first modern uh, tube ones that went over the water at great event this is a great adventure in new jersey it would go over the it was a runaway train it was very tame very gentle but it leaned into turns and it went over you know it went over like a lake like a little man-made lake and everything it was really nice we, um, God, right around the time I moved from Cincinnati, um, they opened the beast and for a time, I'm just bragging on Cincinnati here. Um, but, um, for a time the beast was the tallest, fastest and longest roller coaster in the world. And it was gorgeous. It was this wooden roller coaster. I think it was like a four minute ride, which doesn't sound like long, but it was a really long ride. And it was, it was, it was just majestic and, but you know, not merciless. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, like you say, like the old wooden ones, which seemed like some kind of an astronaut, uh, test. Yeah. They were, they were, the old ones were not made with math <laughs> at all. Right. They didn't care. It was, it was much like the action park rides. It was like, Oh, put a turn here, put a hill here. This looks fun. You know, whatever. Um, I, I still, <laughs> to this day, speaking of old rides, I don't know if it's just nostalgia. Like I've been on all sorts of the modern coasters that twist and turn and the rails above you and the rails below you and you're prone and you're sitting and they go way faster than any of these old coasters but i still say to this day the original lightning loops are a great adventure in new jersey it was one of the first coasters to start you high and accelerate you it wasn't electromagnets mm-hmm. i forget what it was maybe it was steam maybe it was hydraulics whatever it was it would start you from uh, you know you'd be standing still and you'd be up high you this ride you would you would walk stairs in the scaffolding back and forth back and forth oh my back gosh and forth wow to go okay. to the top and you would start at the top and it would launch you forward so it would accelerate you into a hill and the hill was not very high it was just like shaped like a parabola it was just a dip and then it would bring you through a loop and then it would bring you backwards that was lightning loops that first hill in lightning loops because you were accelerated into it and because it was so steep and so right in front of you is still the like the maximum sort of stu- you know your stomach rising your body going up to your throat i've still not felt a stomach going up in my throat that is greater than that i felt equal on these like 90 mile an hour crazy electromagnet coasters but i've never felt one that i that in my recollection anyway is any greater feeling of your stomach coming out through your nose right this looks great oh my god yes it was just so elemental because it was like, what does this coaster do? It does loop. That's it. But it's also just beautifully designed. And again, this is another one of those. I mean, you know, God, there's a name for this and I know the name and I can't. There's a certain kind of, I think it's made by this German company, like a lot of the great roller coasters. But like you, you the idea is like you only have so much room for this attraction and you've got to like utilize it. The beast, man, they could really stretch their legs. It was in a side part of the park far away where they still had extra land. But if you're trying to make something fit into like where the old merry-go-round is, you you can't have something that's like, you know, a quarter mile long. You have to utilize the loops and the turns and then incorporate that. 
I have to be honest with you, John, you know, I sometimes go down a, I go on a jag on YouTube. I, I had a period last year probably where I watched a lot of roller coaster videos. There's a lot of very good roller coaster. Have we talked about that on here? There's a lot of very good roller coaster videos. I think I think I remember when you were in that phase, and I think I also watched a lot because I remember looking at I'm looking at it now, like the the uh, the Great Adventure Park map. So I can I can remember where everything is laid out relative to each other. I'm like, and like you said, Lightning Loops was kind of wedged in the back corner. It had just enough mm-hmm. room for. You know, it's just, you know, it's two two different hills and they you go forwards through the loop and you go backwards through the loop and that's it. And it was just sort of, everything was sort of under the trees because in, in New Jersey, like it was just trees everywhere and just, it was, it was very scenic and nice and familiar. Great Great Adventure was really one of my favorite places to go. Like the other thing I really enjoyed Great Adventure, I don't know if you can find it on the park map, is they had a, they had a dolphin show and a water skiing show. I'm sure the dolphins were, were terribly treated and I'm sure it was incredibly yeah, inhumane know. and yada yada, but I was eight years old and I didn't know this. I used to love I used to love the otter show at SeaWorld, which I'm sure is problematic, but I do love the otters. Yeah, no, they're all totally problematic. But when you're a kid, like the water skiing show was great because they had like a lake, like an actual lake, and they would you'd be in the stadium seating and you'd see them out there with doing the water skiing and with an announcer describing what they're doing. And they would, you know, go off jumps and do flips and do funny things that were hilarious to an eight-year-old. And same thing with the dolphins. Dolphins would do tricks and the, the person doing it would make the same jokes every single year. You know, it's just. Oh, sort of like a safari, like a like a jungle cruise. Yeah, kind of it was it was thing. perfect for an eight year old. Like, I'm sure the parents were bored out of their mind, but I just love seeing real dolphins, love seeing people doing real water skiing trips, uh, tricks and everything like that. And that was that's I had a lot of good times there. I had a lot of good memories of these places. And luckily, no one. Uh, and our family died on any of the rides. Although we came close so, so, on, so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we came close on Roaring Rapids, uh, which was the, I still have I still have an outstanding Christmas gift from last year. I hope I get to use it someday. Oh, to go to one of these parks? Yeah, I get to. Uh, the 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 gift is my wife will drive me to Great America, drop me off, and pick me up the next afternoon. And I get a, I get a full day at Great America. Yeah. My appetite for these things has decreased in my old age just because I look at the ride and I'm like, been there, done that and not in the mood to do it again, especially if yeah. there's, especially if there's yeah. any risk that I'm going to get sick because I always have to judge. Is there repeated motion in this? How I, long wanna, is this I constantly ride? have to remind my friend Alexandra about this is like before you do anything in life, imagine that someone will have to write it down on a form in the emergency room that <laughs> has to factor into it. Yeah. Uh, but he, now, said, we, it, he said he could drink three gallons of milk. In, in, the, in our in my in my later life, when I had a family, we'd go to Great America. Where is it? Wisconsin. I don't know. When I visit my in laws in Illinois, we go to Great America. Whatever the Great America that's closest to northwestern Illinois, it might be in Wisconsin. I forget. Um, and anyway, it was it was bigger than Great Adventure in New Jersey, but I, it was recognizably the same because they're all Six Flags type things. Um, and my wife mm-hmm. is is like you, more even more of a daredevil than me. She'll go in anything. She doesn't care oh, about. Oh, that's so interesting. Things, I wouldn't have guessed like that. that. That's um, cool. And my kids, like, she was always looking for someone to be her buddy, her roller coaster buddy. Like, you know, you're always looking, you know, no one in your family will apparently go on with you. Well, you know, my daughter was also a bit of a daredevil and she would go on them. And, and my son, too. Both of my kids are more brave than I was when I was their age. So it's nice to be able to go. I think we should do a family vacation and we could all pair off. You would not be allowed to speak with my wife at all, not because of infidelity, <laughs> yeah. but just no, because I would, she's I would be, not I would allowed be with to speak her. with you. I would, I would do, I've already described this, what I did in my, on our family <laughs> Disney vacation. <laughs> I'm a pack mule. You go on the ride, I hold all the stuff in the blazing sun. Oh, that's so valuable. 
That's like what I do with, uh, you know, being the, the garbage bag boy on Christmas Day. Exactly. I'm, I'm the amusement park pack mm-hmm. mule. I have the backpack. I have all the sunscreen. <laughs> I have the extra, you know, T-shirts that you wanted the thing. I'm holding all of your glasses. I'll take your phones when you go on the ride. I'll find a tiny sliver of shade to sit in in the 98 degree heat while you go on the ride. And then when <laughs> you, you come off, I'll have ask you how it was. You go have your fun. <laughs> Dad'll just be here, just enjoying this hay. That's what passes for enjoyment when you're a dad. Thank you.